you're listening to the Women Talking About Learning podcast. My name is Andrew Jacobs. Welcome. Hello everyone and welcome to this episode, the communication one of the Women Talking About Learning podcast. It's ironic that communication comes up this week because last week I got communication badly wrong. Last week I decided to rename one of our guests, Amy Jane Young, in the introduction. Please accept my sincerest apologies, Amy. This week's guests are, hang on while I check my notes, Sarah Ratcliffe and Janet Webb. Sarah Ratcliffe is passionate about engaging learners to want to learn, an expert in virtual classrooms, she was awarded Learning Professional of the Year Gold in 2020, and she's always happy to chat about learning and helping people maximise their potential. Janet Webb is a freelance learning and OD consultant, and she helps people to understand what's going on psychologically that manifests in helpful or unhelpful behaviour, and she's been doing this personally and professionally since 1992. In this episode, you'll hear how much passion that Sarah and Janet have for communication. This was really fun to record with IT issues, whining noises, discussion about wine and all sorts of things. Recorded on International Women's Day this year, 2021, this is Women Talking About Learning. This is Sarah and Janet talking about communication. Hi Sarah, how are you doing? Hi Janet, I'm really good, thank you. Um, so this is the first time that we have been introduced, really. I know yeah. that we've been involved in a few kind of Twitter conversations here <laughs> and there, but this is our first real introduction. So I'd, I'd love to know just a little bit more about um, who you are and what you do, and then we can get on with our, our subject matter for the day. Oh, yeah, okay. So I am Janet Webb. I am an independent um, uh, consultant. And what do I do? Oh, well, I got into training and development in about 1992, I think it was. Uh, and the thing that I really like doing really is helping people who are new into management. That's that's my main that's where my passion is that's where my heart is so people who i typically say that people who are good at making widgets and now suddenly they have to manage a team and so it's helping people make that transition um and i'll typically do that as either mentoring with people one-to-one or working um you know providing training but the training tends to be um, I'll probably put an outline together, but then I, I work the room and see what, what's going on in the room. So that's the kind of stuff I do. Um, and I've been freelance um, for coming up for nine years, um, which is, yeah, that's, that's the, I, I sometimes, the reason I think I picked up on the communication thing is because I quite often get involved with people who are doing presentations and there's something in there about helping people overcome their fears and just get on with it really <laughs> so how yeah. about you what do, what do, where's your thing oh so i've been i suppose it working in training now 
for over 18 years. Uh -huh. um, it's, it starts initially from my love of horses. So I'm also a qualified riding instructor, which always shocks people a little bit. But one thing that I learned through the work with the horses is that if we want to create a change, we have to first change ourselves because if we want the horse to do something different, we have to do something different. And that's kind of where it all started. Then I've worked with organizations such as Weight Watchers and Summers, and which is a whole other conversation. <laughs> but really, <laughs> but I started out on, on the floor really learning from great people around me so learning how to kind of own the room learning how that you could really make a difference to people and individuals um, the work I did with Weight Watchers started off initially with my own weight loss journey and you know I was fortunate enough to be able to to motivate lots of other women to go on and and lose weight and then I realized the whole link between training and motivation and behavior change and that's really I suppose what I'm passionate about it's yeah. how we link and move someone else through our own actions and so that's kind of what I do I really like to make a difference for every one person you can make a difference with that knocks on to so many others doesn't it Absolutely. and yeah and so I've now been freelance for not quite 12 months so actually you've done nine years and I've probably done about nine months so this conversation definitely has to continue after this Janet because I've got so much that I can learn from you well I, I, I think we'll learn from each other so that's and that's not me just being you know a bit stupid about that that's that's the the reality of this kind of thing isn't it that you you meet someone that you've not met before um, I can remember, in fact, someone saying years ago, and this has been something that I've held on to for a very long time, and that is a wise person will always learn something from somebody else, even if that other person is stupid. And, uh, and, and I'm not saying that you're stupid, that's not what I'm saying, but, <laughs> but we... charming. Go, yes, that's really rude of me. I didn't mean that at all. What I mean is that, you know, you meet somebody else and that's the beauty of communication, which is what we're supposed to be talking about, is that if you are clever and wise and open and listen to the other person, then you will learn heaps. Um, and it's, it's something that I think that people forget, really. They assume that they're in, a, you know, any expert in their field assumes if they're not careful that the people in the room who aren't experts in that field have nothing to teach and as soon as you decide that nobody has anything to teach you then you're scuppered really aren't you i couldn't agree more well very well said and i think one of the things that i love so much about the industry in which we work is that we are all really open about learning and we're all so curious and thirsty for, for more learning which is just what I love about it and the fact that there's so much sharing that goes on we uh -huh. want we want everyone to keep growing and keep developing and I have to say it it gives me a spring in my step every single day it really does so what is it about communication in particular that you're passionate about or interested in or curious about well, there's so many different avenues we can go down with this today, Janet, and I'm sure that we will. But certainly, I think kind of 
for one is the language that we use um go into what you said before about listening i think like you say i think it's something that is underestimated so frequently um but what really kind of sprung to mind with the communication piece for me is actually as when we're working with businesses with communication there are so many channels that we can utilize with the communication channels that are currently in place that can really become a bit of a, a vehicle for our learning that can really expand what we're trying to get out there within the business and I think sometimes it's a stone that's left unturned what about you um I, I suppose there's two things in particular that really attracted me uh, and when I'm thinking about communication in general one is people's intent when they're trying to communicate and I think often people forget to think about that you know forget to think about the outcome that they're after when they're trying to communicate forget what um, their forget who their audience is and don't think about who their audience is and so lose an opportunity to um, communicate very directly to who that audience is so there's there's something in there about people's intentions when they're communicating but the other thing that really um, is this has been quite a long journey for me and it's about how fear affects the way we communicate and understanding when we're frightened and the impact that that has on people you were talking about people's behavior and we have to change ourselves if we want to change something um, and this, I was working with a team a long time ago, and uh, there were seven of them, and they plucked up the courage to tell me that I was aggressive. <laughs> this, and I'm talking a long time ago. And of course, my response to that was not, um, oh, that's really interesting. Thank you. Tell me a little bit more. It was, what the heck do you mean I'm aggressive? You know, and it so it, it really struck me then and I got sent away to go and learn a bit about aggression and what that is and where that comes from. And so ever since I've been absolutely fascinated about the way we see the world and the impact that that has on our behavior and therefore on our communication, how we communicate, the words that we use, the way that we deliver those, the impact that that fear has on us in terms of our intention. So if our fear is making us want to just run away, um, then our communication will just be um, very passive or non-existent. Whereas yeah. if that fear is making us uh, have so much energy that we have to get our message out and hammer the other person with it yeah. then um, then again the intention is just to belittle the other person or squash the other person um, so it's those those two things and I, I I'm we I've used this word passion three times now I think um, Andrew will tell us whether uh, I've actually said it more than that but it, there's something in there about getting to understand because I know what an impact that had on me you know when I understood that th I was not communicating in a straightforward way because of the things that I was frightened of and so I was either being manipulative or um, getting so worked up that I could then feel that I could shout at someone um, neither of which 
work very well. <laughs> well, I love the story that you've told, Janet, a, a really powerful story. And actually, it's one that really demonstrates that learning through experience that, that was kind of somebody held up that mirror to you. So how did you how did you feel when that first happened? Um, I, I was devastated. I was absolutely devastated. And I was sat there facing seven faces all looking at me who had um i tell you what it was it was uh, it was belbin interplace i don't know whether you've come across so it's it was a way of um giving 360 degree feedback to people and yeah. in those days and we're, and we're talking about the 90s in those days you got a list of words and you had to tick them against other people yeah so it wasn't like the seven of them had ganged up and said right we're going to tell janet this what had happened is that they all had independently ticked uh that yes that i was aggressive and so there i yeah. was with this feedback and there was no denying it it wasn't like six out of seven had said yes janet's aggressive all seven of them had uh, they'd also said something very complimentary about me and i completely dismissed that as yeah. not being relevant um and i just was just and we focus on the negative, don't we? But actually, I, I'm I'm sort of feeling here that that was a little bit of a turning point for you. What did you do next? I had a fabulous manager. So it was I was working in the training team at Selfridges at the time and I had an absolutely fabulous manager, a lady called Julie Hollingsworth, who found me a... Um, you know, you can go in on a assertiveness course, you know, you can do it online probably, but she actually found yeah. me one that really, really uh, dug deep. And it was run by a lady called Dr. Joanna Bisdy. And she, um, she'd done a PhD in assertive behavior, you know, she really knew her yeah. stuff. And so I went and did some training with her that really helped me understand the psychology of behavior, you know, what's going on underneath and how that manifests itself. Um, so that's, and my team, you know, this, uh, the reason that they gave me this feedback was because they cared enough about me to tell me, yeah. you know, and it was, it was just, it was a real turning point in my life, in the way that I behaved, in the way that I viewed stuff that was going on. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a great moment at the time it was devastating though it was i'm i'm sure it was and actually sometimes these moments can can be quite defining for us can't they because i can really feel the the impact of that moment for you it's really quite powerful and actually you gained so much by those people being able to share their feedback having that open communication with you has absolutely. created something else absolutely and it goes back to what was their intention their intention was to help me grow um yeah and it did it absolutely did yeah yeah uh, but people aren't always that um brave or honest are they janet <laughs> <laughs> to do that and i think that's quite a blocker in communication would you agree that people don't always feel brave enough or take the easy route rather than having that really open transparent communication that that is, has done what what that communication did for you yes yes absolutely i i would totally agree with that and i guess that's so i've had now what 30 years of of trying to help other people deal with that yeah so so how about you can you think what what is it 
that started you to think about I mean, you talked about, you know, working with your horses and stuff, but how did you end up in training? How did you end up where you are now? Yeah, well, I suppose, so first of all, yes, I, I, I did what I did with horses. And then I joined Weight Watchers as a member because mm -hmm. um, I had some weight to lose. And sadly, upon not, not being with Weight Watchers anymore, I also still have weight to lose. However, during that time, I managed to lose four stone oh, wow. and I, I remember watching the leader at that time I, I was doing different stuff you know I, I had my horses and I had my job and I did what I did and I remember watching the leader presenting because in those days they would help a Weight Watchers meeting would almost be like a little mini training session because you would talk about topical issues around weight loss and I remember looking at her thinking gosh I'd love to do that and so when I'd lost my weight, I had I was approached and they said, you know, would, would you like to come and be a Weight Watcher leader? And I was like, yes, absolutely. So off I went to a residential training course, which was actually over the water because I'm from the Isle of Man. Oh, wow. I had to travel to England for this. <gasps> so I was I was like a, a duck out of water, a fish out of water, even. Um, and I remember looking at the, the the trainer who did it and thinking, gosh, that looks brilliant to be able to inspire and motivate so many people. Anyway, off I went home and became an award-winning leader for Weight Watchers. So I got lots of people to goal, the most in my region. I absolutely had turned around some, some, some meetings in the UK and had great success because by this time I'd moved to England because I'd married an English boy. <laughs> he brought me Always over. a sensible thing to do. <laughs> yeah, so I, so I left my little, little island and when the opportunity came to join the Weight Watchers training team, I was like, absolutely, I want to do that. And it, it gave me the opportunity to really learn from the experience of those people around me. And that, that was it then, because I realized that I could really make a difference and impact other people's behaviors, not just with losing weight, but those same theories apply to everything that I do. And actually communication, language, listening, all of those things really play a vital part. So I'm I'm passionate about the language that we use. And I too use the word passion quite a lot, Janet, because <laughs> but, but you know what, because it's it's absolutely what I love, I love to do. When you see a light bulb moment go off in someone, when you see that one person go away and achieve success, it's so powerful because you know that that will trigger onto somebody else. And that is just, that's when the magic happens for me. Absolutely. I could not agree with you more. That thing about, you used the word ripples earlier and that I, I remember being in a room full of um, higher, um, oh no, what was it? A training assistants. So higher level training assistants, that's the word I'm yeah. looking for. And they were all experts in special educational needs in different fields. And they'd, most of them had got there because um, their own child had special educational needs. And so they'd gone into the school with their child and had helped and their child had gone on to secondary school and they had stayed as a, as a TA, as a, a training assistant in the school. And so they had this incredible experience and knowledge and so the head teachers would say, that's great. Can you now go and share that with other people? And that these, 
they were mostly women, had never been given any skills in presenting, in putting a, a, um, a communication together. Yeah. And they were terrified. And it was one of those situations where they had all that knowledge and it needed to be shared. And we needed to find a way of making them feel comfortable to do that. And so I was brought in to help them just overcome their nerves and and put communications together effectively and, and you know, use PowerPoint and all that sort of stuff. But what occurred to me was that if I could get these um, these women to be effective at communicating so that the the other parents that they were talking to or the other teachers that they were talking to then had a better understanding then that made ripples and those ripples went on and on and on and on and it was it was such a light bulb moment for me seeing that in them and seeing them uh, leave that room feeling much more confident about what they were about to do and knowing that they were going to have an impact that would impact children for years and years and years it was an extraordinary moment um, I, I think we can really underestimate the impact that we can have on somebody uh, and that, you know, possibly their outcomes in their lives will change just because of something we've done. And I agree with you. It's just the most amazing thing. <laughs> and quite often people don't aren't even aware of the impact that you've had on them and I, I'm a big advocate of saying thank you I think we live in a society where we're very quick to complain aren't we everyone's able to quick to complain and say I didn't like that but how often are we saying thank you you perhaps bobbed me a little note or you just you just lightened my day and that made me think differently or sometimes it can just be a phrase or even just something perhaps on twitter that someone says something and you go oh my goodness i've got it that that's just triggered a thought process and i'm a real advocate for going out and saying thank you, you made a difference to me because quite often people don't realise the difference they make. And when you tell someone that they made a difference to you, then it's amazing. And, and actually, Andrew is a great advocate of this himself. He, yeah. he has his, his, his weekly shout outs when people have contributed or engaged or just been part of his world in a week. And I think it's a great form of communication that's saying thank you that, that again makes such a difference and just thinking about what you were saying about kind of how sometimes it can be these small things that make a difference I was running a some workshops just recently and kind of my, my theory is that you know I certainly wouldn't just leave them to it I would then go in and and keep giving them a little nudge or keep asking them to think about things differently and putting things into practice and coming back and telling the rest of the group so we had this great community of learning happening between workshops which was brilliant and I was kind of keeping my eye on them all and watching what they were doing over social media and how they were trying to communicate what their business did and I, I rang one of the delegates this one day and I said right you've just put out a post I'd love you to change just one word <laughs> and then I said to her, I said what difference do you think that will make and she went oh my goodness and the change from that one word the difference was that she had a really successful day compared to a post that up until that point was kind yeah. of doing nothing and she said I hadn't considered the difference 
that language could make. And she said, now, when she, when she kind of proofreads her own social media and marketing materials, she thinks, what would Sarah say? <laughs> and and what, what's going to trigger my audience? Because you're absolutely right. In terms of communication, people can be so intent at putting their message out that they stop and think what they don't always stop to think what does my audience want or need or do, what do I want my audience to do when they receive this communication yeah. Yeah. and I think that there's some great messages in terms of around how language and understanding can really make a difference to the communication that you're putting out there absolutely I yeah I totally totally agree with you and the the, and I think it was lovely that you did that for someone, you know, because we can we can think that we know what we're saying. And actually, when somebody reflects it back to us, we get a different perspective on that. So, you know, good on you for doing that. I think that was a really lovely, caring thing that you did for somebody um, because it makes such a difference to them. Just pointing out just one word that the, everything about what they were trying to communicate they did more effectively because of it. I think that's great. And it's essentially what those what happened to you all those years ago, really, because by actually saying, hang on a minute, change that one word, look what happens. Yeah, that, 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 you know, she she absolutely had a moment where she kind of went, oh, I get it. And obviously we talked through the reasons why that would happen. Um, but it's the same principle, isn't it? It is. And, and what's important about that is, as you said there, is thinking about what your audience needs. This is one of my absolute bugbears with people using PowerPoint. Um, the, the thing I dislike most, and I've got a number of things that I really hate about PowerPoint, but the thing I dislike most, and there will be people listening to this podcast who know that I say this, and that is when the presenter says, oh, you might not be able to see that at the back, or you probably can't see that. And it's, so what was your intention in putting that slide up? What were you thinking, you know? And it's like, no, no, we can't see that. Thank you for pointing that out, you know. Because if, if you know you've got to apologise for it, why on earth are you doing it? Stop and think, if I'm going to apologise for this, stop. What would make it better for my audience right now? It, it, it's a, it, it happens, doesn't it? Oh, all the time. Drives me insane. Absolutely drives me insane. And I've taken, you know, I mean, obviously not in the last year, but before that I have taken to, if I was going somewhere and someone was doing a, a PowerPoint, I would tell them that I will be, giving them some feedback you know and because if nobody does then people just carry on with that you know so Janet one of the things that I was really drawn to with this topic was also the ability to use communication within kind of busy organizations because I think that actually but as there'll be lots of L&D managers out there won't there who are trying to work in synergy with the rest of the business. They want to get all mm -hmm. their learning initiatives out to everyone that they're trying to help. And there's actually people in the business that can help. So I wanted to share with you an example of kind of where I'd brought this to life and how powerful it can be really, because I'm, I'm hoping that will, it will help lots of other people out there in the same, in the, out there in, in the 
world of L&D that are in the same mm-hmm. situation. So last year we went into lockdown. At that time, I was working with Ann Summers and all the all the Ann Summers field teams had to pivot. Shop, shop should, shops had been closed. My communication is so good right now, Janet, that I'm struggling to get my words out. <laughs> <laughs> we do need more wine. Andrew hasn't sent us enough, has he? It's not good. Not good enough, Andrew. Um, so, so we had to do this, this pivot. So we utilised the the skills of virtual learning to create these virtual home parties. So I don't know whether you've been to Land Summer's home party. I, I have, and I can, I can absolutely vouch for the fact that Andrew will never have been to one. But, yeah, <laughs> but they, they would have done them at home and we turned it into virtual parties. But part of that success was down to the close relations that we had working with other departments at the time. So this was very much aligned with the communications plan. And that was a really great vehicle to talk to all the field teams around what was going on, what was happening, mm-hmm. and using that vehicle within the business to really market the learning to to the people out there that were on the the receiving end of the learning. And I think that that was absolutely pivotal in the success of the program. Mm -hmm. And so I think that within business, we can absolutely be utilizing our allies within the business to help us create that and and to help market what we're trying to get out there because it, it certainly had a very powerful impact with the work that that I did, for sure. The thing that really struck me about that, and I wrote it down because I didn't want to lose it, was there's something in there about trust. And you talked about partners and there's, there's, uh, I'll tell you uh, the opposite kind of story. So is is it gonna frighten me, Janet? No, not at all, no, I'll make you laugh. So when I was working at uh, Selfridges, which was quite a long time ago, and we were up on the fifth floor of that fabulous building in Oxford Street, and the training team were at one end of the corridor and the what was called personnel yeah. were at the other end of the corridor and there were double very heavy fire double doors between them and you just never went through you know you just they the people in personnel were um all very boring and people in training and development were all completely barking mad that was you know the rest of the store knew that and we never ever ever talked to each other and there was something tragic about that really because the next job I had I I was um I went to work at a hospital in Chichester and I was the um, I wasn't the only person doing training, but I was part of the of the HR team of the personnel team, yeah. delivering management training and and personnel training and that sort of stuff to to the rest of the organisation. And I was part of that team, and it was such a different world. And there's the reason that that when I was working at Selfridges, there was this mismatch between what was called personnel and training was just complete lack of trust between the two senior managers now we got through that because actually there was a graduate recruitment scheme and it was absolutely vital that both teams at opposite ends of that corridor work together 
and when we worked together, actually we got a lighthouse on fire and they weren't all boring and we weren't all barking mad, you know, and we had great fun together and it was collaborative and completely fantastic. But for that to happen, we had to get to a stage where we trusted each other. And your story about Anne Summers, that what struck me there was people working together on a project because they needed to trust each other in order to deliver something for the business. And if 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 people are only looking out for themselves and don't care what else is going on in another part of the business and everybody fails. Um, so that's what struck me. I agree. And I think this is where kind of L and D can be if they can if we can be more aligned with the business outcomes and understand the common purpose that we're all trying to get to. I loved what you said about trust there, because actually what I've written down is transparency and that transparency creates that trust. And then if you put the business outcomes at the kind of the top of what we're trying to achieve here and everyone works together towards that with great communication and using all the tools that we've got to make sure that our audience absolutely know what either they need to do or what this will do for them and what the next steps are, then that's quite a powerful yeah. combination, isn't it? It can be incredibly powerful. Yeah, it, it can transform um, what an organisation is achieving. If, if people are all aligned and understand what they're trying to achieve together, mm -hmm. understand what their role is within trying to achieve that and are willing to be transparent and and communicate effectively and authentically with each other they can do amazing things <laughs> absolutely amazing things including like you know last year well there will have been so many examples of exactly what you were talking definitely. about definitely where where organizations had to pick up the baton and run with it and had to do it together because they couldn't couldn't have teams working in isolation it just wasn't good yeah work. it's almost like if, you, if I, I kind of I love the story you told about that corridor I can see a quite <laughs> bleak looking corridor in front of me with these great big double doors it's almost like somebody opened the double doors and pushed the two departments together to say you've got to have a conversation about this and I think that yeah. was quite a powerful moment but I think what underpins all of this is relationships and the communication that you're having between relationships and what I'd love to know from you is yeah. what do you think that the kind of what challenges have we got out there in business with our lines of communication and I suppose what I mean by that is by some of the the vehicles that we use to communicate you know are we getting too reliant on emails and electronic communication instead of perhaps sometimes having the conversation to get to know somebody and understand each other? I, I think there's definitely a, a large amount of that. I think one of the things that I really, really uh, struggle with is just the noise. There's just so much noise and it's back to what we were talking about right at the start and that's people's intention what is it they're trying to do you get just so much stuff that it's overwhelming and you know yes for goodness sake pick up the phone and speak to someone rather than send an email stop being so self-protective yeah um i i can understand you know it's international women's day i can understand how um, some women may feel that they have to send stuff through email in order to be able to prove their position. It's just tragic, isn't it? It's yeah. utter tragedy that that might happen. So there we are. I shoehorned in International Women's Day. 
I liked it. Nothing like a good shoehorn, Janet. I, I liked absolutely, it. Absolutely. I just wonder, that's interesting what you say about how women are perhaps using different vehicles of communication because they feel they ought to. Do you think that's women to women, women to men? How do you think that's manifesting in the business environment? Oh, now there's a question. And I would have to, I could give a very generalised answer and that would be on no basis whatsoever other than my gut feeling. So I, I'd rather not do yeah. that, but I suspect that there are some women in different organisations in different situations who are having to communicate in very specific ways because they sense whether, whether it's real or not, they sense that if they aren't communicating in those ways, then they won't be taken seriously or they may um, get manipulated in some ways. And that's just, we've got to break through that. That's just appalling, isn't it? It's back to trust yeah. and transparency. Yeah, and starting to create really safe environments in the workplace that we can all have an open, honest conversation that's really transparent and develops trust within or inside organisations. And we've got to start with young people there. Yeah. I, I'm working with a, a local sixth form and I'm having email conversations with young girls, 16, 17, 18, who are really struggling at the moment. And they want to have that conversation via email because they, they feel intimidated by having a chat over yeah. the phone with a stranger. And, you know, gosh, if at 17, you don't feel that you can talk to somebody over the phone who's there to help yeah. you, then what's that going to be like when they get to the workplace? Yeah, I agree. And actually, these are these are skills that people do need to have in the workplace. So you're absolutely right, Janet. We do need to be looking at the youth of today to make sure that these skills are, are transferred into into their, their work life um I, i've been we've been told here that we haven't got much time left so what i would like to do <laughs> yeah, in the nicest possible of ways but what i would like to say is that i am fairly sure that we are going to continue this conversation janet because i think we have common passions here just to shoehorn another passion in there i know it's not what you said andrew andrew's saying that is not what i said sarah behind the scenes but you know we're just having a giggle here and it's been an absolute pleasure and i can't wait to continue this conversation but also as a shout out a big thank you to andrew jacobs for for bringing um women talking about learning introducing women together to talk to each other about learning because it's been an absolute pleasure here from me absolutely i've loved it the time has completely flown by i can't i don't know where that's gone um it's been great meeting you and i am pretty certain some point soon we will have that glass of wine together definitely the question is are we going to invite andrew Oh, I think it would be mean not to. <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> Janet, it's been an absolute pleasure. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You might have noticed that Sarah made a couple of comments about me being in the room. It was really necessary this week because of the sound issues we had. I was fascinated with how Sarah and Janet, two women who hadn't ever really connected before, came together and worked through a deep and broad topic with such verve and, and informed conversation. We thank them for their contributions. And just to remind them and you, we don't buy wine for guests. <laughs> when this is all over, though, 
Uh, I'd love to be able to meet up with as many guests as possible to celebrate women talking about learning. If you'd like to be a guest, we're recording a few more episodes in the next few weeks. The list of topics is on the website, and you can find all the details in the show notes. Once again, thank you for listening, and we'll see you again soon. You have been listening to the Women Talking About Learning podcast. Women Talking About Learning is available on all podcast platforms, including Apple and Google Podcasts. You'll also find us on Spotify, Amazon Music, and other music streaming services. Make sure to like and subscribe. It helps more people find us. You can find out more about Women Talking About Learning via our website, womentalkingaboutlearning.com. Make sure you tune in next time for more Women Talking About Learning more of the signal and none of the noise.